Round and round the coaching carousel goes. Where it stops, not even Belichick knows. We are going to be talking about all the new head coaching hirings <laughs> and some of those head coaching candidates that got left out in the cold this head coaching hiring cycle. All that and more coming up on the house call. Welcome back to the Gridiron, everybody. We are a part of House Call Sports. We're going to be talking about all the head coaching hirings and firings and who got left without a job this cycle. And we have to talk about that wacky guy, Cliff Kingsbury, over in Washington now, not Las Vegas. I'm so sorry, Ricky. We are going to get into all of that. But before we do, I have got to shout out our amazing sponsor at Vivid Seats. Listen, Super Bowl tickets are mad expensive, but I have good news, y'all there are more sports than football. I'm talking basketball. I'm talking hockey. They are in full swing. And I know you've got a favorite team. And I also know that you can use the link in our description and get yourself over to Vivid Seats to save even more money on the best ticket buying the best ticket buying platform on the market, the most ridiculous prices you will see. We are talking about guaranteed seats. So get yourself over to Vivid Seats and get your butt in a seat using Vivid Seats. Thank you for sponsoring this episode, of course, Vivid Seats. Now, we've got to get right into it. Eight teams have made new head coaching hires, and there is probably none more exciting than the Chargers hiring Jim Harbaugh. He was the most sought after candidate this cycle, coming off of the national championship win, of course, at Michigan. The Chargers swoop in and grab their former quarterback, Jim Harbaugh. Justin, I'm gonna throw it right to you. Give me your thoughts, impressions about this hiring. Was it a good one? Was it a bad one? What does this mean for Herbert? All that fun stuff. Well, it definitely means Herbert actually has a coach that knows how to work with quarterbacks. Harbaugh himself, a former quarterback. And on top of that, look at the quarterbacks he did have. Alex Smith, Colin Kaepernick. Guess what? Kaepernick ended up in the Super Bowl with with Harbaugh. So I think this does great things in the development of Justin Herbert. And honestly, I think this is the winning, like the best coaching hire that we've seen head coach wise um it's a big time name going to los angeles with the chargers the chargers are in a very tough afc west and they needed this now the one thing i will say about hiring harbaugh we've all seen how the coaching carousel has been in the last few years the hot names have always been like the younger mid to late 30s early 40s completely offensive minded coaches so that might be the only thing because Harbaugh is 60 right now, but he is a very offensive-minded coach, and I think he will get the most out of that offense, assuming they do one important thing in my book and re-sign Austin Eckler, but that's a whole different story. Um, but I think this is the best coaching hire out of this whole carousel right now. Absolutely. And listen, I, I really think that even – you know, we live in the day and age of re-signing running backs. What are we talking about? But <laughs> I really think that, I mean, with Austin Eckler, this offense is going to be explosive. Without Austin Eckler, you do lose the play-action threat. You lose a lot of that just mean running and just, oh, I love watching Austin Eckler play. He's a blast. But no, Not this just is running. He, he is basically another receiver in the backfield. He's been the most consistent receiver yeah. on that offense. He has got hands for days, so I, they should re-sign him. Absolutely, they should re-sign him because he's not just—he's not just a running back. Like he's Austin Eckler. If you want to give your new head coach a 
really great shot of success in his first year, re-signing your best player is a, is a great, great place to start. But I digress. <laughs> but but one other thing before we move on, because I know we got a lot of coaches, there are talks that he's going to try to go after Saquon Barkley in free agency. Don't hate it. I don't hate it. I hate it for your Giants, but I don't hate it for the Chargers. I don't necessarily <laughs> hate it for the Chargers. Oh my gosh, I got to throw it right over to the to the man in the division himself. Ricky, give me your thoughts on Jim Harbaugh. You have to see that man twice a year. Yeah, you know, um, I, I, I uh, like the move for the Chargers. I hate it for the AFC West, you know, being, being in the division, having to play them twice a year. Uh, because you look at Justin Herbert and he has top five ability. You know, he has he has a top five arm. He has top five size and skill. He's got all of the tools, all of the talent in the world. And, you know, it for years in his career, it's it's been talked about how, you know, he's been suppressed by his coaching. You know what I mean? So it's, you know, good for them. They're, they're going to have somebody that can potentially unlock all of Justin Herbert's uh, ability. And that's a scary sight, man. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to lie to you because, uh, you know, Harbaugh has won literally everywhere he has gone. You know, I, I know last year there was, you know, it, it was uh, uh, a lot of, um, God, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, intense, uh, not intensity, but like a a feel for no i'm talking about michigan there was a lot of scandal i'm sorry there we yeah. go okay there we go that's the word i'm looking for you know he was <laughs> the science yep you know all the science stealing and you know the recruiting stuff i mean oh, he I leaves all that the same thing i mean michigan just got caught you know that's more of like shame on you for getting caught besides the point you know he's in the nfl now he's been in the nfl he's won everywhere that he has gone and uh you know it's just, it's you know, I guess it's we're going to have to see. We're going to have to see the fit. But, I mean, it can't get worse than Brandon Staley for sure. So, um, <laughs> you know, it's definitely uh, a positive for the Chargers, um, you know, to not be biased. But, um, you know, for that for that fan base, I mean, they grew from like a thousand fans to like two thousand fans. You know, good for them. <laughs> <laughs> no man you know what's you know what's pretty crazy is is you know i'm i'm in arizona now but i grew up in the la area so i still listen to a lot of the pundits and all of the radio stations and all of the stuff over there and it's weird because there's not a there is not a whole lot of like hardball talk that you would expect from a big name uh coach coming there so they got a lot of work to do. You know, of course, they got a lot of work to do. The roster is set to win now as long as they can stay healthy. But that is the the question every single year for them. Can they stay healthy? But as far as uh, Jim Harbaugh, the fit is perfect for a, a young superstar quarterback like Justin Herbert. So I'm not looking forward to to. to to success if they have success, because that's another one I don't want to deal with. But uh, it is what it is. Good, good hire for them. If I had a grade, are we doing grades yet, or are we doing that at the end? Let it rip. I mean, yeah, it's an A grade. It's an A grade hire for them for sure. Justin, I assume yours was an A as well. A minus. A minus. I'll take. Like I said, the only knock is the age. There you go. And I can say, and you know what? 
I can see it. But at the same time, Ricky, like you said, <clears throat> just a recipe for a really, really explosive offense. Defense, I'm a, we can get into that way, way down the line once we're previewing 2024, people. But that offense has the potential to be humming with Justin Herbert. And, you know, Jim Harbaugh is going to be he brings the best out of quarterbacks like that. There's no way around it. He brought the best out of Colin Kaepernick. He brought the best out of Alex Smith. He brought the best out of JJ McCarthy. Like he is a quarterback elevator. That's just well documented at this point. I'm throwing it to our very, very new friend. Nudie, welcome to your first episode and give me your breakdown of Jim Harbaugh going to the Chargers. Okay, so the grade I'm going to give it is an A, but I'm going to throw a little, a little bit of a curveball. So since uh, Justin Herbert has felt like, you know, you said he's been bounded down by previous coaches, does hiring Jim Harbaugh make this kind of like a break, uh, make or break season for Justin Herbert? Because he has a coach that's, that can put them in position to win. But will we find out, was it Justin Herbert or was it really the coaches? And another thing. I'm going to make it short and sweet. Another thing is they have a lot of young, well, not young, but that middle age to older age talent. So if they win out this year, where do they go next year? Some guys are going to be older. Some guys are going to be, you know, you know, you have the free agency, the draft and whatnot. So not only this year matters, but what are they going to do in the future with having Jim Harbaugh? The future is definitely the big thing that I'm looking at because, like you said, this is this roster does need a little bit of facelift, a lot of age, a lot of money, especially on the defensive side of the ball, which is alarming given how poor their defense was. So they definitely have got a they've got a youth they, they've got to get some youth going on that roster for sure. In general, I like the hire. I think it's very good. I've been hinting at my grade since the, we started this. It's an A. It's an A, but I will say I have some reservations specifically because of Justin Herbert. And I'm glad you brought that up because it's it's time to put up. There's no there's no excuses. All right. The Wicked Witch is gone. Brandon Staley is is with the Packers now. <laughs> I can't get over how fucking awesome that is. Brandon Staley is the defensive coordinator of the Packers. Ah, it's great. But there's no more excuses. you got the best head coach of this cycle. You've yeah. got you've got the pieces here, so it's it's really time to you know put it put put your money where your mouth is. Time to put as those social media quarterbacks in one piece. to bed. What's that? As long as your pieces stay in one piece. Yeah. Bingo, 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 bingo. And if they draft a decent wide receiver, because I'm sorry, Quentin Johnson is a just unequivocally not that guy. But we have seven more teams we've got to talk about. Moving right down to the Seattle Seahawks, who hire Mike McDonald, coming off of a great, great season with the Ravens as their defensive coordinator. I, you know, I really didn't expect this, but after I kind of I let it settle in, I'm like, this does this does make sense. They're going young. They just came off of having Pete Carroll as their head coach. They want to be going young with this. Justin, I'm going to throw it right to you. Give me your thoughts on the Seahawks going young with Mike McDonald. Well, I knew they were going to go young. I just didn't think it would be Mike McDonald. I I, I think they, I thought they were going to go Ben Johnson, but obviously Ben Johnson did not end up going anywhere. 
But you look at McDonald and what's his thing? Defense. He's a defensive savant. He's really going to be that person that's going to possibly usher in the new age of a Legion of Boom right there in Seattle. Now, this also tells me one thing, and that is that they're going to keep rolling with Geno Smith for at least the foreseeable future. Because if you're going to go with a defensive-minded head coach, you don't have any expectations of drafting a quarterback this year or getting a quarterback this year. Because that's going to be a whole new offense, a whole new scheme. And then you would need like a top-notch offensive coordinator to actually do that and take it from someone who had a top-notch defensive coordinator at one point from Baltimore. When you have that and a head coach that's brand new to the job, it causes some issues. And we don't want that in Seattle. But I do think that this would will be the right move. I think he is going to struggle a little bit this first season, as I think all first-time head coaches would do. But I think in the long term, you might actually see this kind of improve, especially if Pete Carroll actually does stay along that Seahawks building, maybe even be a mentor to the young head coach. You never know. It's it's definitely a thought. And I do, you know, I do kind of think of D'Amico Ryans and CJ Stroud. Now, CJ Stroud is a, you know, bullseye dart throw. Let's not get it twisted. It is hard to get that good of a quarterback that fast from the draft. We, we saw it with Bryce Young. We've seen it with basically the whole 2021 QB class, which, my God, I could make a whole freaking deep dive into that. That was a disaster. But this hiring of, you know, this hiring of, of Mike McDonald just excites me, especially, like you said, for the defense. Those young corners are going to have themselves a great time under Mike McDonald. There's no doubt in my mind. Ricky, I'm going to throw it right to you. Give me your thoughts on the Seahawks' new head coach. I mean, I like the fit. I mean, it's essentially Pete Carroll, you know, half the age, you know, maybe not the same exact type of uh, energy and personality that Pete Carroll brings, but it's a defensive minded guy, you know, uh, like Pete Carroll was. Um, So as you got, I mean, you guys said it very well. I mean, they have a lot of young talent on that team mixed with some, some veteran leadership uh, you know, Jamal Adams, uh, a guy who's been there uh, for a little while. Um, maybe Mike McDonald could use him in that kind of Kyle, Ham- Kyle Hamilton versatile safety kind of role. Um, as long as that guy could stay healthy as well, because that's another one that's just the question marks uh, are healthy. Well, I guess my question is, you know, why uh, why hire Leslie Frazier right out the gate, you know, to be the assistant head coach? You know, is is was there a tiny bit of uncertainty there for the Seahawks um, hiring uh, somebody who is also a defensive minded guy who's been a D coordinator, somebody who has had head coaching experience. Um, is that something to, you know, oversee, you know, or to assist, you know, is, I guess that's my question is, was there a tiny bit of uncertainty? Was he their first choice or was it a Ben Johnson? You know, was it, um, you know, Slowick or, you know, was it anybody like that? You know, um, I guess that's my question um, for Mike McDonald. But as far as being a defensive mind and being able to scheme, I mean, we saw it just last week. You know, the the difference um, 
excuse me, the halftime adjustments that the Ravens were able to make versus the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, it was really a defensive masterclass. And that's that's really what you saw from from him and his defense all last year. I like I like the hire. I think it's a great fit. It's 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 really hard to not look at the product that was the Ravens defense last year, especially with like the way he had those linebackers playing because Mike McDonald is big time linebacker guy, but also he's coached all over defenses. Don't get it twisted here, people. He's been a DB coach. He's been a D line coach. Like he's been all over the place. Absolutely a phenomenal choice. And to your point of bringing in Leslie Frazier and they did retain Pete Carroll to in uh, an advisory role. Correct. Yeah. So for me, that looks like you're trying to get as many experienced voices in his ear because he is the youngest head coach in the league now. And, and I I can see the apprehension of like, oh, we got to make sure we have a, like a backup plan, I guess, with Leslie Frazier. But in the same breath, I can also see the idea of this is more of getting a lot of experience in an otherwise unexperienced head coaching room. Nudie, I'm going to throw it right to you. Give me your thoughts on those Seattle Seahawks and Mike McDonald. To piggyback off what Justin said, I feel like bringing in a young guys with the organization, I feel like they're going to make this team stronger defensively and worry less about the offense. So like he said, with the little boom, you've seen what like um, Pete Carroll had done defense. Even going back to Pete Carroll and Bill Belichick coaching together, you can see that tree of being defensive masterminds kind of trickle down and I P. Carroll could help keep that cycle or coach. So that's I give it an A. I give it an A grade. I like it. I like it. Ricky, give me a grade for it. I don't want to just rattle off A's everywhere. So <laughs> <laughs> um you know I, I'm gonna give it I'm gonna give it a, a a B. I'm gonna give it a B with uh you know the, obviously the potential for, I mean everybody's got potential but I'm gonna give it a B. Absolutely. There's always, I'll get into my grade because I have the same thing. It's, it's based off of the hires that they will be making in the future. Justin, give me your grade for this one. I'm joining Ricky on this one. I'm going to give it a B because I really don't think this was the Seahawks first choice. I do know they want to go young and yes, they do have pieces on the defense. You're looking at Tariq Woolen. You're looking at Bobby Wagner. You're looking at Jamal Adams. Don't be shocked if Julian Love actually has a breakout season in Seattle because he did play that like hybrid safety linebacker type thing with the Giants. And he does have that versatility even coming out of uh, Notre Dame. So I'm still going to say a B because I don't know how that offense is going to be. And I'm going to agree with you. I give it a B plus because I think that the experience that's going to be in that room is going to help a lot. Like, like we had been talking about, I think that, Mike McDonald is going to elevate this defense into a really, really good unit. The big thing for me is the Seahawks losing Shane Waldron. Thank you. And the Seahawks not necessarily having that replacement yet. And I do agree. I think they I think they wanted to go with a Slowick or a Ben Johnson type because that's the way the league is going. Young, offensive-minded head coaches. In the same breath, D'Amico Ryans had phenomenal success in his first season so that's kind of where the b plus is coming from for me uh moving right down along this list we have got to talk about what many considered to be the 
immovable object of this head coaching cycle in the Carolina Panthers. And I say the immovable object because we had so many great head coaches. We had so many great head coaching candidates, I should say. And the absolute nightmare scenario is going to the Carolina Panthers after what just happened this past season. The Carolina Panthers end up going with David Canellis, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offensive coordinator, who, for what it's worth, got Baker Mayfield playing sound football, which I didn't think was possible. I thought he was always going to be that, you know, wild and crazy, you know, interception for every great play kind of quarterback. But he did, a, he did a great job getting just consistent, solid play out of a quarterback a lot of people considered to be broken. Uh, Justin, I'm going to throw it right to you. Give me your thoughts on the Panthers' new head coach. Oof. This might have to take two grades. This is probably, for the Panthers, I'd say this is a B. Okay. I'd say they took the best option available for what they needed. They needed an offensive head coach. Again, we're going to talk about this. The two best options stood with their respective teams. So they went with someone who is going to step in and do the thing that Carolina needs. And that is somebody to develop Bryce Young. And they need somebody that is going to develop that offensive side of the ball. I just think on the other side, I, I think it's a D on his side for even taking the job solely for the fact that there are so many holes in that Carolina team in that locker room there's so much damage done thanks to Frank Wright I'll be honest ownership too because you know front office ain't out on this and this is something where front office needs to be patient here this is not going to be a two-year rebuild and then we're competitive even in the NFC South this is more of like it's going to be three four years plus and you need to show some patience for that. You can't go one to two years and then fire him and then get another head coach because all you're doing is taking your number one overall pick and screwing him over. But that's what my take on that one is. <laughs> no, it's fair. I do I do really like it for Bryce Young. I like it for the Panthers. Canellas had a good thing going in Tampa. I don't necessarily know why he left. He was only there for a year. Had some good stuff going. But in the same breath, you want to have that opportunity to have your own. Yeah, yeah. You want your you want your own team. You want to be the head coach. Like that's just a fact. That's the quarterback position of the you know coaching world. But but not only did he take the job, he took the job in the same division he was just working in. Mm-hmm. No less. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be very very interesting. Those. Those Panthers Tampa Bay games. I'm gonna be excited to watch how Todd Bowles reacts to shaking shaking the hand of his old OC. I'm gonna throw it right to a guy who knows a little bit about OC drama. Ricky, give me your thoughts on <laughs> David Canellis. <laughs> he couldn't even say it with a straight face. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean to to <laughs> you know going um Piggybacking off of what Justin just mentioned, you know, as far as a a D for, you know, Dave Canales to take the Panther job, um, I, I totally understand all of those points because there is hole after hole after hole. But at the end of the day, there are only 32 head coaching positions um, available. That job, there's only 32 available in the whole world, you know, in the NFL. So 
to land one of those jobs. Um, you know, I'm just curious to see how how he how he resonates with that team. You know, which is a relatively young team and a team that um, you know has invested so much in a Bryce Young that uh, I think Justin, I you said it you said it perfectly, man. You know, that front office has showed absolutely zero patience. You know, getting rid of uh, actually with Matt Rule, they probably should have fired him earlier, <laughs> but. <laughs> But, you know, they did get rid of Matt Rule. Frank Reich didn't even make it a full season, you know, to have that kind of turnover over and over and over again. You know, Bryce Young, it's it's uh, we're going to see what, you know, if it was really him or if it was the situation that he that he's in. I think Canales is a good fit for Bryce Young. And I think that was. Um, that was the purpose of, of the hiring with Canales because he's had the success with like a Geno Smith, a Baker Mayfield, like you said, uh, Kyle, guys that, you know, people thought maybe, you know, they counted them out completely and said, hey, you know, these guys are kind of just like bridge gap quarterbacks to get you to the next guy. Um, and he's worked with them and and they've become pro bowlers since working with Canales. So, um, you know, um but with that being said, you know, not having any head coaching experience and, you know, Canales was probably, you know, I think everybody's first, uh, every every head coach, every team that wanted a new head coach, you know, typically was Ben Johnson and all these guys were probably at the top of their list. So Canales, I don't know um, if he was the Panthers second choice or third choice or if he was their first choice, if that's the if that was their guy, you know, so. For their hire, I'm going to give them a C plus. For Canales, A plus, good on him. If you've heard a little bit of his story, you know, a uh, Latin Hispanic dude, you know, used to coach JV football, you know, uh, in Southern California, all the way to make it to being a head coach in the NFL. I'm rooting for him. You know, I'm definitely rooting for him. Um, but you know, it's uh, it's it's going to be tough sledding, man. It's going to be tough sledding. You don't have any fir- you don't have a first round pick this year. Um, Kyle, do they have one next year? You guys own theirs next year too? No, we've got their second. Just this year, year right? Yeah, we got okay, so you don't. Year. Yeah, so you don't have a first round this year. The Bears own your. You said your their second next year. Second next year. Yes, yeah, it's, t- it's going to be tough sledding. So um, as long as that front office can be patient with him and be patient with Bryce Young, and just see their steady improvements. Um, you know, I'm wishing them well, but as far as right now, I'm going to give the grade a C grade just because there we don't we don't know how it's going to look. You know, it's just unproven at this point. No, definitely. It's going to oh my gosh, it's so just it's, it's so interesting seeing such a good candidate go to a place that like you said like y'all have been saying has so many holes it might as well be swiss cheese over in carolina nudie i'm throwing it right to you give me your thoughts on canellas to carolina um nothing nothing newer than the other guys have said um the positive thing i can take from this is he gets a younger roster and he can potentially build his resume as being a head coach of a team rather than the office of coordinator so uh, I give it a C on both ends simply because, like you said, they have a lot of holes, but they are young, so that gives him time to 
build and get a chemistry going with a young team that he can potentially stay a head coach of to for a while down the road. So I'll give it a C on both ends because reasons. No, and I, I can I can absolutely see that. Mine is a B minus. Um, the reason I gave it, I got it up to a B minus, is because of just the level of success with you know Ricky, as you said, Dino Smith with Baker Mayfield. That is you know he, he's done some really just impressive work in this league already. You you love to see that, and my gosh, I mean, just shout out to the guy for. Getting that, getting that job, Ricky. Like you said, just such a great story out of David Canales. Cannot overstate how happy, how happy I am for him. But he has got his work cut out for him. Like you said, no first round pick, no first round pick this year. Although that kind of just made my entire offseason a disaster. So I'm kind of pissed about it in the same breath. Whatever. I digress. We have got to move right along to those Atlanta Falcons who hired Raheem Morris in a, a little bit of a twist there. They were seemingly all in on Bill Belichick, and then they go out and bring in Raheem Morris, who has had just massive success as a defensive coordinator in you know, the college ranks, in the NFL. He was a part of that 2002 Tampa Bay Bucks team. That, that defense was so damn good. I loved watching that team. Mm, fabulous. And then, of course, the Los Angeles Rams and Aaron Donald doing his thing. Uh, all thanks to Raheem Morris and of course, Aaron Donald's natural talent. I don't wanna try and say something like that, but I digress. Throwing it right to you, Justin. Raheem Morris to the Falcons. Give me your thoughts. This is my first D and it's not because of Raheem Morris. It's because of the Atlanta Falcons. You have had to sit through Arthur Smith the last couple of years and you know what the issue was with Arthur Smith. He did not use the offensive weapons that you had on this team. And I would think going into the offseason, you were going to go all in on getting an offensive head coach. Primarily one that can mold that offense into something because with the team they have now, yes, in my opinion, they are a quarterback away from actually being dangerous. But even the way they are set up now, they can make some noise in that division. Now, if you really had your heart set on going for a defensive head coach, one, Bill Belichick, something has to be going on that nobody wants. It doesn't and I think, And I think it may be that he also wants roster control over the team. Because I can't see no other reason why he's not really that seriously in any of these job hires. But I would have went with somebody like Mike Vrabel if I was Atlanta and I was really looking for a defensive-minded coach. Because the offense wasn't that bad in Tennessee, even though the star was the defense on the team. But I, I just don't know what to think of this. I, I have no problems with Raheem. He's a great defensive coordinator. What he managed to do with the Rams was basically, I got this, McVay, you just focus on the offense. And that was it. And it worked perfectly no matter what issues LA had. Heck, they were they were rolling at the end of this regular season. But now with Atlanta, you're left with more question marks than anything. And my biggest question mark is the offense itself. Because I need to know that you have a hot shot OC that can take over that part of it. Because that's really going to be your Achilles heel. And it shouldn't be, again, because you play in the NFC South. 
Oh my gosh. It's like, this happens every single year. There is at least one to two teams, usually more actually, who just think themselves out of a good hire. Like there's nothing against Raheem Morris here. This just didn't make any sense to me, especially with the names that were floating around Atlanta. I, I, I still can't make heads or tails of it, but we're going to find a way. My gosh, back golly. Ricky, I'm throwing it right to you. Give me your breakdown on those Atlanta Falcons hiring Raheem Morris. He's back. Yeah, I mean, good on him for getting a second opportunity to, to be a head coach in the NFL. You know, that's not something that that people get, you know, a second chance. So good on him. Um I just, uh, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you guys more. I mean, when you have Bill Belichick in your building, um, you know, interview twice, and then you have Mike Vrabel, you know, these guys uh, have been proven. Although, to be honest with you, I didn't see the fit with Belichick in Atlanta. I, I didn't see it. I, I think I would have seen Vrabel fit a little bit better. But um, yeah, you know, it, it feels a little little uninspiring you know landing on raheem morris when you have those top tier names in your building or in you know interview you know especially multiple times you know you interviewed them both twice if i'm not mistaken oh. um <clears throat> so uh you know good on good on raheem for getting another opportunity but you know it's a c hire for me you know it's not the worst you know it's not gonna be the worst hire in the world um you know you could still compete with raheem morris being in that division you know, I mean, Arthur Smith had you, you know, a game out from first place. So, um, but is that what it's all about? You know, just kind of being, keeping up in the middle of the pack and all that stuff. You know what I mean? Um, it just feels, un it really just felt uninspiring. Nothing that like would have, if I was a Falcon fan, there's nothing, I wouldn't have been bouncing off the walls landing on Raheem Morris, me personally. No, definitely not. And, and like you said, they brought in Vrabel and they brought in Belichick. They brought him in twice. I understand if it's an age thing with Belichick. Mike Vrabel is basically the same age as Raheem Morris. He's older by a year. And he is equally as phenomenal of an option, probably much better of an option because, oh, what's this? A proven head coach candidate who was one coach of the year and got fired for no good reason from the Titans. I'm never going to, I'm never going to let the Titans live that one down. It doesn't make any fucking sense but i digress new to give me your thoughts on raheem morris getting the surprise nod in atlanta um going off what was already been said it's kind of like you have bill and you have variable and then you bring in morris all right so being a new england fan i wanted to the atlanta falcons organization here you know the things that were going on in new england where was Bill sabotaging the team or things like this that didn't give him the edge over Morris. But if you look at the Atlanta Falcons, their offense isn't really that bad. Like, they're one player away from being a dangerous team. But they could need help. They could use help defensively. So I think them bringing in a defensive mastermind was not – the whole solution but a greater part of the solution so i'm gonna give it a b minus and, and I, I i can see it for me this one is, a, is this one's a c minus simply because i mean they had that they had that defense 
in pretty good shape this past season. Like the defense was very, very good for the Atlanta Falcons. The offense has the potential to be good. And that was why it was so frustrating for Falcons fans just seeing the just lack of any sort of competent play calling on the offensive side of the ball. The defense was the main reason that they were in any sort of contention for the division, which being in contention for the NFC South, I mean, I guess I'll, I'll give you that, I guess. But it's it's an uninspired hire, like you said, Ricky, in an uninspired division for what could turn out to be an uninspired team in 2024. But we have got to talk about the other side of inspirational. I'm talking about my guy, AP, Antonio Pierce, is staying with the Las Vegas Raiders. I was so thrilled. Like, I have no, I have no I have no dog in this fight. I'm not a Raider fan. I live in Denver. I don't care about the Broncos even a little bit. Sorry, Denver. <laughs> like, I don't. But when Antonio Pierce got hired for the Raiders, I was thrilled. I was like, this is the right call. This is this is what should have happened. He was, of course, did a phenomenal job as the interim head coach after Josh McDaniels was let go. And now he's got the now he's got the reins on a ship that did look like it was going to be going in the right direction with Cliff Kingsbury, but now it's like I, Luke Getze's in town and Cliff Kingsbury pissed off to Washington. Justin, give me your thoughts on all things Raiders. Well, I have a dog in this fight because this guy got me a Super Bowl ring with my Giants. So, you know what, Ricky? I'm pissed off that we couldn't get him as a defensive coordinator, but... I am so happy to see Antonio Pierce actually get a head coaching opportunity with the Raiders specifically because, yes, he doesn't have the most experience, but this isn't an experience hire. This is a culture hire for the Raiders. He literally bleeds black and black and silver. Like, let, let's be honest. This guy literally said it himself. Diehard Raiders fan. And I'll be honest. He came out his first game as a head coach. I really thought they had Suge Knight coaching the team. He really came out there, jacket, starter cap, all that. But you know what? This is perfect. The the main story that overshadowed this, which I hate, is the whole Cliff Kingsbury thing. Because Cliff Kingsbury basically did what my name says. He became a Josh McDaniels. He said, I'm going to sign with you, which shows me that Antonio Pierce is good at building his coaching staff because he understands that I'm brand new to this game. Let me get somebody who, one, was a former head coach, and two, is known for his offense to manage this part of the ball. And what does he do? He said, yeah, I'm actually going to go to the NFC East. And don't worry, Ricky, I got you with that because the Giants own Washington, so twice a year he's going to be put on his ass, and I think Cliff Kingsbury will be out of there in two years. Yeah, I mean – I think that Caleb Williams is a bust, and I think that the Cliff Kingsbury hire in Washington points to Washington wanting to trade up. I have no problem with this because, as my name says, Drake May is QB1. So even if my Bears take a quarterback, which I don't think they should, but even if they do, I want them to take Drake May. I digress. Ricky, talk to me about your guy. I'm I'm so thrilled for you. Raiders! No, Raiders! That was William for that No, one. man. <laughs> no, uh, Antonio Pierce. What can I say about Antonio Pierce? I mean, for the Raiders, 
for what we are, for what that team is, for what the Raiders stand for, this is an A hire for the Raiders. I mean, <clears throat> yeah, you know, uh, like Justin said, this it's not an experience hire. It's a culture hire. What Antonio Pierce did specifically with that defense when he took over the job, him and Patrick Graham, the Graham-Pierce defense, 16 points per game in their nine-game stretch together. Okay, which was in that nine-game stretch, which was number one in the NFL, completely flipped it on its head. Um, and we were able to keep Patrick Graham as our defensive coordinator. That's another piece that got me fired up because that was key because we all know that consistency, you know, especially in your, in your coaching, is is freaking key, man. This is this will be their their third year in that Patrick Graham defense. Um I'm excited, man, because Antonio Pierce, you know, he gives you those Dan Campbell vibes. He gives you those D'Amico Ryan vibes, you know, guys that have played before, have strapped it up, who's who knows what it's like to put on those pads and put on that helmet and go out there and freaking and, and grind through a 16 game, now a 17 game season. He knows he knows he's he's walked in those cleats before. You know, he won a Super Bowl with the Giants, uh, you know, was a captain. A lot of people don't remember that. He was a captain on that team. He was one. Of, he was a, he beat the undefeated Patriots, man. He was a part of that. So that that kind of experience is invaluable. And, you know, a lot of people are saying, oh, well, he's a first time head coach. Well, I could argue he's actually not because he had a nine game dress rehearsal. So now he's gonna have an entire he's gonna have an entire offseason to to um to to really you know put that culture to really bring that culture and team together. And I'm fired up about it, you know, because the first order of business for me for the Raiders this offseason was keep Antonio Pierce. Um, you know, finally Mark Davis has listened to his 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 fans. He's listened to his his players, his locker room that were all behind, like, let's hire AP, man, because we all saw what happened a few years ago when we had Rich Bisaccia take us to the playoffs in a season where we had guys, you know, uh, pulling out guns on Instagram Live. We had a guy, unfortunately, kill somebody, uh, you know, in Las Vegas. We had the Gruden emails, all that, and Rich Bisaccia took that team to the playoffs um all to let all to be let go by mark davis to to go with the 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 weasel that's josh mcdaniels <laughs> so i love the hire first order of business was keep antonio pierce second order of business keep patrick graham the third order of business was hire an oc okay which you know we <laughs> You oh had the God. best one. Like, that's what's so frustrating about this. So here's the thing. Like, was was the reporting too soon? Or was this already a done deal and Cliff Kingsbury backs his way out of there like the weasel that he is, too? He's a freaking weasel, too, just like Josh McDaniels. This is the second time Cliff Kingsbury has done this to a team. Okay. He, he, if you, I don't know if you guys remember this, but before he became the Cardinals head coach, he had agreed to become a coach with USC first. 
and then the Cardinal job opened up and he dipped on them. He dipped on USC and he went to the Cardinals. And, you know, long behold, they he didn't have the head coaching success. You know, don't get me wrong. I liked I liked the fit with the Raiders and Cliff Kingsbury because we needed a guy who can who can run plays, who can call offense. And I'll give him that. He can call offense. He's got a track record of good of, of good offense, okay, with all of the star quarterbacks that he's coached and helped develop. So don't get me wrong. I was excited about the hire, you know, but maybe we, you know, maybe I don't want to say we dodged the bullet because we landed on Luke Getze. <laughs> oh, my God. The bubble screen but, merchant himself. Oh, my God. But, hey, look. Just remember all the previous podcast recordings? <laughs> I, know, right I know, I know, I know, I know. Kyle could tell us better, how, you know, the Luke Getze offense. But here's the thing. Here's the, <laughs> here's the thing. Here's a sucky. Here's another sucky piece about that, man. In in going with Kingsbury, we also missed out on Clint Kubiak, who went to the New Orleans Saints in that 24 hour span where we had agreed with, with Kingsbury. We lost Kubiak as well. So we land on Luke Getzey, which I guess it's I guess it's the question is, was it Getzey? Was it Justin Fields? I guess the Raiders are going to find out. <laughs> I think it's a healthy combination of just good old fashioned bears incompetence. Because no matter what happens, figure it out before anybody else. No matter what happens, I promise you, whoever the quarterback of the Chicago Bears is next year will still be a bust. It doesn't matter who it is. It could be Fields. It could be May. It could be Williams. The Bears will find a way to fucking ruin that quarterback and they find a way to ruin offensive coordinators apparently because i have so much hatred in my heart for luke getsy but we're not talking about luke getsy we're talking yeah about we're talking about antonio, antonio pierce. pierce we're talking about the raiders right. we're talking but we're talking about those raiders and i've got to hear what nudie thinks about them raiders i feel like it was the coming since higher hiring pierce and moving on from josh mcdaniels being a patriots fan so i pretty much know how the Raider fans felt the kindergarten plays they called, what he called, and how he ran the offense. It just made too much sense. You know? Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, it's it's an A for for the Raiders. It's yeah. a, you know one thousand percent. Like I give this an A because this was the this was the hire that had to happen. It it wasn't like oh the Raiders should do this. I think they should go with this. Right, they could go this. No, Antonio Pierce needed to be the head coach of the Raiders, and I'm so. So glad that he is because, like you said, that defense was unbelievable after Antonio Pierce took the reins. They like they were in like just insanely different. They were inspired. They were you know physical. They were running. They were running to the snap on some of these play. Like I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so different from what the rest of the year has been. For I think that um that pretty big performance they had against was it the Chargers they beat badly. Well, I put yeah, up, put up 63, 63 on the Chargers. I think after that game, it was already said that he was going to get the hire, like full-time hire. I think it was. And then we beat Kansas City in Kansas City, yeah. uh, scored two defensive touchdowns on them. So when you, when you can punch your division rival in the mouth the way that Antonio Pierce did, multiple division rivals, that means that he's the coach of your team. That's ju- that's just what that means. And the Raiders made the right call. Uh, now, on the other side of things, a team that just absolutely fucked up, the Tennessee Titans. 
Why are they on this list? Why, why, why are we even talking about them hiring a new head coach? Why, why do I live in a world where Mike Vrabel is not going to be a head coach in 2024, but someone like Matt Eberflus is going to be, just, a, just an example off the top of my head, is going to be a head coach in 2024. I can't make heads or tails of it, but I think Justin might be able to help me. Mm-mm. No, I no, I cannot. No, I cannot. <laughs> when I tell you out of this whole coaching carousel, Brian Callahan's the new head coach at Tennessee Titans is the person that I feel horrible for because he is in a situation where, by all means, by all honesty, he should not be the head coach of this team. This team should not have fired their head coach. Their head coach only got fired because upper management ownership said. We want to go in a different direction, even though you took us to an AFC championship game not too far, not too long ago. But this is what he has to do, because the main issue right now in that Tennessee locker room is how are you going to get them to follow your lead after their head coach, who was a player's head coach, who was the only head coach in that damn Bill Belichick tree to actually have some success as a head coach. He walks out the door. The person that you look at as your leader, as your mentor, walks out the door. That's like if Detroit right now fired their head coach. That would be how maddening it would be. So the first thing he needs to do, first meeting of the year, go into there, no assistant coaches, no front office, no ownership. Let the players speak speak their minds. Let them get that frustration out. Understand that you are dealing with grown men who have watched their leader actually get kicked out the door by the people that unfortunately are signing their paychecks. And I think if you do that first and you get them on your side as their new leader, as their head coach, he has a chance. But then your second problem comes in, and that is how do you develop your quarterback? Will Levis show flashes over the regular season, and I want him to succeed in this league. Because watching the whole storyline of he slips in the draft, his girl leaves him for Morgan Wallen, and he starts putting up numbers as soon as that happens. It was so I good. want that story to continue. Now Morgan Wallen, really? Yeah, she left him for Morgan, Morgan Wallen. Wallen. For Morgan Wallen. That's an upgrade. <laughs> Anyways. I didn't know that part of the story. It's so good. I want that to continue. I want him to stop Levis from putting mayonnaise in motherfucking coffee and just get him to be at at least maybe an above average quarterback level because I think he has that Baker Mayfield type of swagger with him that if he can just get the right person to mold him, he could be a Pro Bowl player. Maybe not further than that, but it's a possibility. So I like that. But also they need a defensive coordinator because, uh, yeah, theirs went with us to the Giants. Yeah, it's it, I, uh, it looks so bleak in Tennessee, which sucks because Brian Callahan is like, he was one of my favorite head coaching candidates for the last, honestly, two to three cycles. I, I freaking love Brian Callahan. He's done amazing things with the Bengals. I will say the Bengals letting Brian Callahan go – I think there's going to be a lot of uh, it's going to be a lot of 
answers about Zach Taylor. I'll just put it that way. I don't have very high opinions of Zach Taylor. I think Brian Callahan did a lot of the heavy lifting in Cincinnati, and I think he might be able to do some of that heavy lifting in Tennessee, but he's got to win over that locker room first. You hit it right on the head, Justin. Uh, Ricky, I'm throwing it to you. Give me your thoughts on those Tennessee Titans just doing the reverse Raiders, I guess. He's still stuck on Morgan Wallen. <laughs> I didn't know that part of the story. <laughs> It makes it so much This better. is confirmed? Yeah. More, I, I, I love more than one. What was that? Photos and everything. Wow. Dang. That's crazy, man. But no. <laughs> the next game after that. That's when he balled out that next game. <laughs> yeah, I mean the the Brian Callahan hire. I mean, all I could all I could think about like why, you know, what's the reason behind moving on from Vrabel is is kind of following that trend trend of you know young offense, you know pair it with your young quarterback. You know um, they did invest a fairly high draft pick. You know with uh, Will Levis, I believe a second round pick with Will Levis, and you know there were moments where he showed flashes. You know you could definitely see that there is arm talent there. You know it's a lot of raw talent that that Will Levis has. You know being athletic and you know big arm and all that kind of stuff. That's that's the only thing that I could think of. Why move on from Vrabel? You know, uh, you know, being a player's coach, a former player, and all that kind of stuff. You know, somebody who's had success. You know, maybe they wanted to go in a different direction and focus on offense, and maybe they wanted somebody who could develop a you know Will Levis. They must see something in Will Levis that really uh, uh, perpetuated them to make this move for Brian Callahan. Yeah, it's. It seems like that is that is the case, you know, trying to develop that quarterback. Because like you said, second round pick, they're going to at least try and, you know, give him a second year, I would hope at the very least. But I don't know. First round quarterbacks barely get three years in this fucking league anyways. I'm not bitter. I'm just disappointed in the Bears, as usual. Nudic, get me out of this funk. I need you to talk to me a little bit about those uh, Tennessee Titans and Brian Callahan. I don't know if it was them thinking that maybe Brian could mold Will Levis into a sort of Joe Burrow-like quarterback, maybe, or give him, you know, some touch-ups to turn that street talent to actual professional talent and help him grow as a quarterback. But other than that, only thing I could think of is Mike Vrabel got them to the AFC Championship. Well, into the playoffs, right? Only thing I could see is they, they said to themselves, since then, what have you done? Maybe they just felt like it was time to turn a new leaf. Such a weird one to grade because for me, I'm like, you get an F because you fired Mike Vrabel. You get like a C plus, I guess, for hiring Brian Callahan. Like he's a great option. There was just no reason for you to be getting rid of your successful head coach. I'm like, and like if I'm Mike Vrabel and the owners sit me down and say, what have you done for me recently? I'm going to turn that question right the fuck back to them and be like, what have you done for me recently? Have you seen the rosters you've expected me to win with? Like, I, this is just a collapse to the highest level with what could have been such a really good long-term head coach for the Tennessee Titans. I just don't get it. Speaking of long-term head coaches though, we have, we have to talk about the New England Patriots having a new head coach. They're finally going to get somebody in Madden. Like, oh my God, it's a new day. Gerard Mayo, 
is the head coach of the New England Patriots. And I'm going to throw it right to you, Justin. Give me your thoughts about uh, Matt and Gerard Mayo being on the sidelines. I, I'm, apparently, this was a contingency plan already. This was always the plan for New England to have Jeremy become the next head coach of the Patriots should they let go of Bill Belichick. So you know what? I'm going to give this a chance. And I can't speak ill of Jeremy. I can't speak ill of his inexperience as a head coach because he's in the same exact spot that Antonio Pierce is in. Both of them are former players. Both of them have led their respective teams at one point on the defensive side of the ball. Mayo specifically with the Patriots himself. He is somebody that the locker room really loves. They already respect. He is somebody who is going to keep a lot of that familiarity with the Patriots. So it's not going to be as much of a learning curve, specifically on the defensive side of the ball. But my concern is the same concern with the Patriots, um, with Bill Belichick. How's that offense going to do? Who is y'all quarterback next year? What is going to be the identity of that offensive side. Because I have no problems with the Patriots on the defense, especially when they get healthy, because I need Gonzo back. Not because I'm a Patriots fan. I'm the probably one of the few people in house call that are not Patriots fans here. I am the person who got to whoop the Patriots twice in the Super Bowl, but I digress right. from that. Right. Um, I just need him back because he was playing at defensive rookie of the year level for that team before he got injured. And yeah, fuck defensive rookie of the year. He was playing defensive player of the year level. He's you know like what? the stat line he put up against Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill and AJ Brown and Devonta Smith. Like he yeah, was unfortunately Deron Bland was also sending picks back to the house. So unfortunately that kind of went out the window. Yeah, true. But I'm just saying on the defensive side of the ball, Patriots have nothing to worry about. It's the offensive side. I think Gerard Mayo has has made some good hires already. I, th- I think that he is he's building a staff that will set him up for success in a very difficult situation to be successful in. Not only are you losing a head coach, you're losing a GM, you're losing the identity of your team, your defense, like the Patriot way. But in the same breath, Gerard Mayo was running the defense for the past two seasons, and they were playing at that level. So it's reasonable to assume they will continue to play at that level. But like you said, that offense is a big old question mark. Ricky, give me your breakdown of Gerard Mayo going to the Patriots. I'll keep it really quick. Excuse me. Um, You know, it's a, he's in a tough spot, you know, uh, succeeding Bill Belichick, um, a legend. I guess the only, the only uh, good thing about that is that they didn't have success recently. So then Patriot fans kind of have that recency bias of like, what have you done for me lately? Um, But what he does have going for him is that he is, um, he is succeeding a Bill Belichick, but he's in house, you know, he's somebody who was a Patriot as a player. um, As Justin alluded to, he has been on the staff for some years now. So I think that familiarity is good for them. I think it's, I think that transition, when you transition away from an all-time great, a Hall of Fame coach, you know, somebody who's only 16, 17 wins away from the all-time leading wins record as a head coach, when you're succeeding that, I think you need somebody who is a familiar face to that organization. 
You know what I mean? So um, I think it's a good hire, you know, of the results will obviously speak for themselves. I do, you know, we don't know what kind of results to expect. We don't know what to expect from a Gerard Mayo led um, organization. But as far as familiarity goes, as far as, you know, they know him and they, that locker room already likes him. That defense um, is good. Our, you know, is, is good. Um, and he's been a part of that. I think that's a good hire for them. Um, but, you know, only time will tell. We'll see what a Gerard Mayo led organization, you know, we'll see the success that that travels behind that. It's going to be interesting. I think he's going to be able to I think he's going to be able to get his players go. Like, I think he's going to be able to get his players motivated very easily. Like a couple things about Gerard Mayo. He was phenomenal as a player. Don't get it twisted. Just physical, understood his role, do your job, all that stuff. He was a captain every year except his rookie year for the Patriots until he retired. That speaks volumes about the type of leader that he is, the type of locker room guy that he is. And I think that this just made too much sense for the Patriots. I'm going to throw it right over to our Patriots fan. Nudie, give me your thoughts on Gerard Mayo succeeding the great one. Unlike other sport Patriot fans, I understand that Bill Belichick is getting older and we're we're not trying to live in the moment. We're trying to live for the future. So it was a good thing seeing somebody within the organization actually step up and take that role to, you know, succeed Bill. And another thing I like that he's already getting ready to do is open a checkbook, which we haven't seen in years. So when he said that, it kind of gave me hope, okay, maybe we can see more offensive talent on side of the ball. I also like the fact that he's trying to recruit ex great Patriot players because when I look at Dante Hightower you can see that Gerard Mayo similar play style in them being smart and being the captains of the defense and captains of the team so I'm gonna give this one for what it's worth I'm gonna give it a B minus for us because the only thing that that's fighting against him is the lack of head coach experience he's not in a bad spot He's not in a bad spot with a with a no. good defense and the third overall pick. No, that's the thing. The, and, the and, value of three overall, you're going to be able to get one of these guys. You're going to be able to get a May or a Daniel. Like you could even, I don't think it's a good idea, but you could trade up to one. That's beside the point. But you are in a position to really start to shape this team because you've already shaped the defensive side of the ball. Now you have the opportunity to really shape the offense. And when Dan Quinn ends up going to the Commanders, the former Falcons head coach and former defensive coordinator of them boys who ended up getting 40, over 40 the usual, points the usual hung on them by the youngest offense in the playoffs. I digress. Give me your thoughts, Justin, about Dan Quinn coming over, coming on over into your division. You know, it's always a good thing when I can rely on two things. The Cowboys messing up something involving their head coach and the and the Washington Commanders messing up their head coaches. So let let me let me preface this by saying something because I know a lot of people aren't really sure with the whole coaching carousel, how it works. Like how could Dallas let Dan Quinn go to Washington? When you are a coordinator and you are being uh interviewed for a head coaching job, teams cannot block you from that. They can block you if you're moving laterally from a coordinator from one job to another. That's what my Giants did with Mike Kafka, who interviewed for the Seattle Seahawks offensive coordinator role. Now, with that being said, I'm going to talk about both teams because it affects both teams in the NFC East, really all of us in that division. On the Cowboys side, 
You are about to find out how exposed Mike McCarthy actually is as a head coach. Because if there was one thing saving Dallas all of last season, it was Dan Quinn in that defense. And now you got to find somebody who can work with that defense. And now you also have to keep it in your head that Micah Parsons, who shared on his own podcast that wherever Dan Quinn goes, I'm going. So now you got to think about that when it's time to extend him. So that's how it is in Dallas. I'm about to find out if Dallas's head coaching spot is going to be open by the end of this coming season. <laughs> on the Washington side, Washington Commanders, I always can trust you to do something stupid no matter who owns the team. Now I'm watching you go and hire Dan Quinn, whom I respect as a coach. I respect what he does for his players. I respect how much his players love him. I respect how his players fight hard for him. I also respect Ron Rivera as a coach. Yeah, that didn't work out too well. Nah. Anyways, but let's look at Washington Commanders for a second. Their defense got stripped down this past season. They traded two out of their top three pass rushers on the team. Montez Sweat goes to Chicago, all of a sudden starts balling out. You got Chase Young. What effect, baby. Chase Young, who hasn't really done much this season, but guess what? That man's playing in the Super Bowl. And now you're left pretty much with bits and pieces because watching them play twice a year against my Giants, Tommy DeVito stripped that defense naked and whooped their ass. Tommy fucking DeVito. Oh, I missed that. Now, so we're done with switch that. it up. Let's go to the offensive side of the ball, which is why I changed my name to this. Because Cliff Kingsbury decided I'm going to swerve the Raiders job and I'm going to go to Washington. Well, you're going to Washington where you don't know who your quarterback is. You're most likely drafting a quarterback. Like, it's really officially in the cards. They're drafting a quarterback. You do have a good running back in Brian Robinson. You do have a good wide receiver core on that team. So they have pieces that can work. But you have to fix that offensive line. Because whoever's your quarterback, whoever's behind center is going to get hurt no matter what. So you need to fix that. And Cliff Kingsbury, you specifically need to fix your entire offense. Because we played a a Cliff Kingsbury offense in Arizona. Yeah, that didn't fare too well. So they have a lot going on there in Washington. And I cannot wait to watch this team go back into mediocrity and keep them in fourth place in the division. I'm done. I What I can't wait for is for this team to suck so bad that they have the first overall pick next year. But, oh, no, they traded their first rounder to the Bears to get Caleb Williams, and the Bears did it again? I digress. Ricky, I'm throwing it right to you. Give me your thoughts about those commanders high in Dan Quinn. Yeah, I used this word earlier, and it also falls here with the commanders and, and Dan Quinn. is just uninspiring, really. Um, <clears throat> you know, this is a, a, another another gentleman who's getting his second opportunity as a head coach. Um, but I mean, yeah, he did he did get the Falcons to the Super Bowl. But I mean, if you look at if you remember that defense, that was a terrible defense. They're like twenty eighth in the league. The year that they went to the Super Bowl, I mean, they were riding Kyle Shanahan and Matt Ryan and Julio Jones's coattail all the way to the freaking Super Bowl. And then uh, Dan Quinn's defense couldn't hold a 28-3 lead. Um, 
Dan Quinn's defense couldn't hold a 28 to three lead. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, it almost feels like you're hiring Ron Rivera over again. You know, Ron Rivera was a, was a second opportunity head coach again, a defensive minded coach again. So, I mean, it just, it just feels uninspiring. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like, uh, you know, like a mountain moving uh, type of, of hire, you know, it, it really feels, feels like a settle, you know, and I understand Dallas's defense was, was good at times. I mean, there were times, I mean, and just like in any, any NFL season, but there were a lot of situational times where Dan Quinn's defense could not stop, um, could not stop them, uh, stop, like, for example, when they played the Dolphins, they couldn't stop the Dolphins on the final drive. You know, the Lions, they kind of lucked up with, with the whole Dan Campbell going for it on, on the two-point conversion over and over and over again because the Lions went right down the field at the end of the game to to score on them, you know. And then we all saw what happened in the in the playoffs. So the last taste, the, the final taste you have in your mouth of Dan Quinn is seeing that freaking Jordan Love and the freaking Rugrats Okay, the youngins just absolutely shred you. Like, <laughs> man, again, that's the that's the final taste that you get in your mouth of Dan Quinn. That's that's your final thought of Dan Quinn. Like, and you th- and I don't like sees that and thinks that's our guy. Yeah, a team that was giving up thirty something a game last year. It felt like every damn game. You bet every single Commanders over last year because you knew their defense was good for giving up thirty. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you know they they have their hands full. You know Kingsbury. You know I hope you feel miserably over there. You weasel. Um, <laughs> you got a lot of freaking work to do. Yeah, you draft your quarterback, but you got to fix that line. You got a lot of you got a lot of work cut out for you over there, buddy. You and Dan Quinn, you have yourself a jolly good time over there in Washington. I hope you're happy now, Cliff. I hope Caleb Williams was really that worth it to you. Nudie, finish us off. What are your thoughts on Dan Quinn going to the Commanders? I feel like Dan Quinn left the circus and went to the rodeo. <laughs> it's like that is such a good one. It's not. It's nothing special. It's not like CNN breaking news or NFL, ESPN breaking news. It's kind of like, well, you know, we kind of know what to expect. A defense that gives up a lot of points and an offense that can't move the ball much if they don't fix the offensive struggles. So I'm gonna give a. I'm gonna give it a. I'm gonna give it a F. I mean, I don't see them doing anything spectacular more than what they did this year. So that's all I can call for. Yeah, no, it's just it was such an uninspired. Like you said, it's been it's been the word of the episode, the uninspired episode. It was an uninspired hire because I look at that and I'm like, okay, you fired Ron Rivera and you basically just hired Ron Rivera 2.0. Like that's what he did. You swapped out like for like, and you're expecting to have any sort of different results. And I don't think that's going to be the case. And that is why I so desperately want my Chicago Bears to trade with those Washington commanders, because whatever future draft picks they give us, they're going to be worth a good amount. But that is it. Those are the eight head coaching hirings that have happened this cycle. 
Guys, we got through all of them. That, I feel like I got whiplash after that, but we made it through. By gosh, by golly, Super Bowl is going down this weekend. Make sure you tune in to our Friday episode. Our Friday crew is going to be breaking down all of the keys to victory for the 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs. Until the next time, that's Nudie, that's Justin, that's Ricky. My name is Kyle. It has been great hanging out with you all in the Gridiron segment. Peace. A lot of people thought he'd go to Washington, maybe Seattle. I thought Seattle was a no-brainer.